This program is brought to you by Pussy Magnets. Welcome, welcome, my lovely lumps. Or should I say lovely labs? I'm so thrilled to have you here in the Labia Lounge to yarn about all things sexuality, womanhood, holistic health, and everything in between. Your legs. Ah, uh, can never help myself. Anyway, we're going to have vag loads of real chats with real people about real shit. So buckle up, you're about to receive the sex ed that you never had and have a bloody good laugh while you're at it. Before we get stuck in, I'd like to respectfully acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which I'm recording this, the Manang people. It's an absolute privilege to be living and creating dope podcast content on Noongar country and I pay respect to their elders past, present and emerging. Now, if you're ready, let's flap and do this. <laughs> oh God, is there such thing as too many vagina jokes in the one intro? <laughs> Whatever, I'm leaving it in. It's my podcast. Don't panic, you're not broken. Your sex education was a piece of shit. Get your flaps out and pull up the couch. It's the Labia Lounge. Hey, all you labial legends, welcome back. I've got a special guest today, back by popular demand. Um, Manu actually came and sat on the Labia Lounge with me at Comfort Creek, the little festival that I did the live recordings at and um had a chat with me and I've had several people contact me and be like oh my gosh who is that like Italian man that like intimacy coach like I loved what he was speaking about and yeah people are like fucking getting their panties wet over you at the moment Manu so I thought I'd just welcome you back and we could do a full episode <laughs> how are you going <laughs> that was fun I'm I'm great I'm great thank you thank you for having me here it's uh yeah, it's a pleasure for me. Yeah, no sweat. Well, I'll do a little intro to you so people can have a bit of context about who you are and your background, and then we'll just launch in because I want to chat about intimacy, masculinity. Um, I know you work predominantly with men as an intimacy coach, so yeah, keen to pick your brains about some things in that department. So. I'm going to try and do my best um, Italian pronunciation of your name. Manuel Paradiso is an intimacy yeah. coach working one-on-one -on -one with uh, individuals and couples. His academic background in communication and semiotics broadened his horizons, but travel and transformative experiences truly shifted his outlook. Integrating intellect, spirituality, and sexuality has been a significant personal journey for him involving much exploration of diverse spiritual communities and delving into esoteric subjects and psychology. His mission today is to guide and inspire people, especially men, on the path of conscious growth through deep intimacy and authentic relating. His offerings include online courses, coaching, play shops, retreats, and facilitation at events internationally. Dope! Welcome, welcome back! Um, I'm so stoked to have you, and I guess the first port of call would be like, we're going to be talking a lot about intimacy and I think people have different ideas of what this is, different definitions. What is your kind of personal and professional definition of true intimacy? Mm, that's a great question. And uh, yeah, I think it's, uh, it's important to keep reflect on this question. Also for me to keep talking about this. So, uh, of course, during the years 
my definition of intimacy has shifted a lot. And uh, before I was, I think this is a common pattern where I believe that many people see intimacy as connected, strictly connected to the sphere of sexuality. At least I was one of them. And, um, and nowadays I see that as uh, very different. I see like the sphere of sexuality is inside the sphere of intimacy. So the sphere of intimacy is a much larger sphere. And, uh, and also that during the years that I mature that this point of view, I also understood how before, since I was connecting the two intimacy and sexuality, like almost synonyms, I understood that I was looking for intimacy into sexuality, right? Mm. And nowadays I see that intimacy is something, as I said, bigger. So it's like a connection between my most authentic part of me with the most authentic part of another person. If we talk about intimacy between two people, because then there is a, even a much larger perspective to embrace today, where I can mention after, but limiting now about uh, two people, that's so what I believe it is. So from my heart, let's say, to the another person's heart, as much uh, authentic as possible, and that it start to be an intimate connection. The masks mm. are are off, sort of, mm-hmm. and we meet in our true self. Then this kind of relationship, I can have it not necessarily just with a person. I can have intimacy with within myself, and this is actually another discovery. I understood that. Let me shift the definition of intimacy. That intimacy, it's a word that comes from the Latin intimus. It means from within. So from within, I connect. Mm. Within myself, I find intimacy. Intimus, in, inside me. So I understood that in order to create true intimacy, I need to, with someone, I need first to be able to find that intimacy within myself. And what does that mean? It means knowing myself, right? Know yourself, right? That's a very classic philosophical uh, thing, pillar on the inner work. And yeah, so I would say to reformulate again uh, the answer, I would say that intimacy, it's... Uh, the most authentic relationship possible that we can have with ourselves that allow us then to have uh, the most authentic relationship possible with another person or with our environment or with the universe. Some people call it God or life, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, beautiful. I think it's like <clears throat> it's often conflated with sex and sexuality like people kind of think intimacy and sex are the same thing or they have to go hand in hand and this is yeah really misguided and I think a lot of sex or sexual expression is completely devoid of intimacy and that's why a lot of people are out here having shit sex Um, and it's just sad to me that intimacy is something that we need coaches for 
But yeah, I think these days it's not something that comes as naturally to a lot of people. Um, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on why intimacy can be really difficult for people or, or what common barriers you see to intimacy, you know, in, in maybe your clients that come to you for help with this. Like what is getting in the way? Why do they find intimacy difficult? What are the barriers? Yeah, that's a, another important question. And so there are all the masks or everything that that it's in the middle between me and the most authentic expression of myself. It's in the middle of intimacy for the definition I gave it before, right? So what's in the middle? The question I can begin with, what's in the middle between me and the most authentic self? First, I would say immediately my beliefs, already believing that there is nothing in the middle. That's already a big thing in the middle. If, if anyone here listening thinks that there is nothing in the middle between them and their most authentic self, so there is a huge elephant that they don't want to see. That's, that's a big sign. Because not even the most enlightened teacher, uh, I heard him say that is completely, uh, like, uh, completely free from the ego games and, uh, and their person distorted personalities. So that's, that's one thing. And, and I think it's a very important point because that's how, why it's difficult. Uh, I found it difficult to work with, uh, with men because I found there is often in men the assumption that they're really good in intimacy. They have nothing to learn from anyone, especially from another guy. And, and they have just very positive feedback and they trust that feedback because it's very convenient to trust that feedback without considering that the other person have good reason to lie. And we can talk about that also. <laughs> and so this is one thing, our beliefs. And they believe that we are perfect, that we are done. It's a big thing in the middle of intimacy. Then our masks, uh, our conditioning from our family, from our culture, from, from the moment in history where we are. These are big things that are, are in the middle be, with the most authentic expression of ourselves, right? So I will, I would say more like if you have a specific thing to point out, but this is generically uh, what I would point out. Mm. Yeah, I think like a real discomfort with vulnerability and and um, I guess like an inability to access our own authenticity. Those are some mm. things I feel like are commonly getting in the way of true intimacy and like not really seeing it role modeled anywhere in a healthy way, you know, thinking that vulnerability equates to weakness or you know something to be ashamed of and try to hide so like that's that sort of uh yeah uh discomfort with showing the deeper more vulnerable layers of ourselves i guess comes from like yeah insecurities feeling the need to appear a certain way and like you said have these masks um and curate people's experience of us like basically trying to control how people see us um and therefore not show vulnerability like i think if if we stop trying to control how people saw us and what they thought about us and we actually just allowed you know some of those masks to drop 
and to show more of a full spectrum of ourselves, like not just the happy, sunny, fair weather parts of ourselves, but the more deep, dark shadow sides or the vulnerable sides or when we're in a really sad mood or we're irritable or grumpy or whatever, like just allowing people into um, that inner sanctum where they can see us as our authentic selves in all of the different, you know, um, expressions of that. I feel like that's that fosters intimacy and it fosters like safety and trust. Um, but so many people are very uncomfortable with that and don't think that they're going to be accepted. And because we so desperately want to belong and, you know, so evolutionarily like we needed to belong, otherwise we'd be ostracized and our survival would be at stake. We do everything we can, mostly like subconsciously, to try to belong and to try to be accepted. And so in our society, that's like especially I think towards men trying to tell us that vulnerability is weakness and we don't want to show weakness or people won't love us or find us attractive or we're not worth worthy. Yeah, like it makes sense that we're kind of, I guess, hiding these parts of ourselves and not feeling safe enough or comfortable enough about those aspects of our character to let anyone see them or to share them with people. Would you kind of agree with that? <clears throat> that was a big wrap. Uh, thank you. That yeah. you're <laughs> we are opening uh-huh. the chapter of vulnerability. I thank you for that. Yeah, let's go there. <laughs> so that was implicit. I, I, I agree with you. Let's begin with that. I agree totally with what you said. And uh, there is so much to add. Um, so that was implicit in what already say, right? Because we need to access our own vulnerability if we want to be honest with ourselves, if we want to uncover our masks, if we want to be able to, to be the first to see our own shadows, what's beneath, what's behind, uh, what we cover our face with, right? Our behaviors with behind our conditioning. So there is all sorts of things that are repressed by our conditioning, by our fears, by our beliefs that are there that we not get out. And it's painful to look at that. It's painful because often are things that are not, we believe that are not accepted out there, uh, out there by our family, by our partner or potential partners, by our friends, brothers and sisters. But first of all, it's just we, of course, don't accept that because we project that non-acceptance mm. outside. So we don't accept that size of us. So to, in order to go there and feel that very uncomfortable sensation of, oh, this is who am I? which is not true. We, we, we are much more and we are a mystery, but we need to go even into that thing like, oh, I am like that. I am, I don't know, whatever uh, part of us we reject, go through that acceptance. It's very, very uncomfortable. So yes, we, that's require the need to feel vulnerable. And, and this is something that not only... We, we, there is this big, clear uh, discussion about men's vulnerability, how men should be more vulnerable, how women are more used to be vulnerable. Yes, this is a, a common narrative, but I don't, 
agree completely with that. I believe that nowadays even women are uh, are in the same way than men had been educated for a long time. Like, uh, don't mm-hmm. show yourself vulnerable and only in certain contexts, only for certain reasons, yeah. especially yeah. due to the business approach. Like, uh, oh, the boss bitch um, culture, right? Totally, we've yeah. got to like play yeah. by the men's rules, and oh my god, absolutely. So yeah. the, the, that's that's goes not only for men but also for women, and at the same time, there is more and more discussion open publicly about that uh, um, address to men. So there is more and more awareness about that, of course. But I was reflecting about this a few days ago on the connection between vulnerability and intimacy and connect to men. And what came on top of this was, what came to me on top of this is that the reason I believe that the reason why men don't want to work on their own sexuality and their own, uh, like the sexual aspects of their intimacy, often it's because it's the most vulnerable part of them. Why many men are seeking, again, intimacy through sexuality. And they're leaving that on a way that they can, that it's pleasant for them. At least they believe it's pleasant because they don't maybe have experienced different ways, but, and we can go there also. But so the sexuality is a way that where they can receive pleasure and they also they can discharge their tensions uh, through the direct physical activity, but especially through the ejaculation. So the four becomes something like, I need intimacy and there is like a inner need, which is maybe not obvious consciously to many men. Therefore, I need sexual contact with someone. And there are many talks about like from um sex workers that they they can confirm that how many men they pay them just to talk yeah right not yeah. without having sex because they feel they have no intimacy and mm-hmm. so there are many men that they do this equation and then it should be pleasant and the pleasure comes from also my discharge of all these tensions that is still connected from my not living my own authentic life. So I use sex as a way to discharge this tension, take this pleasure, feel good, and move on. Uh, had I been clear enough? What do you think? Yeah, totally. Like there's lots of things in what you just said. Um I feel like the yeah, it's 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 challenging for all genders, I think, just because we don't have like a lot of healthy kind of blueprints or framework for intimacy and vulnerability but I definitely feel like I notice a lot with men like it's it's extra challenging because like they it's almost like we we've all bought into this um you know narrative that like men don't need intimacy as much as women or whatever but like they absolutely do and they yearn for intimacy but they probably whether they realize it or not um really need that but just don't have 
I guess, like as much of an idea about how to have a healthy outlet for that. And so for them, like intimacy, like their intimacy needs, they'll often like get that from sexual settings, which is, you know, why like even even the men that come and, and um, see sex workers and don't have sex, like it's still within the context of like this is a sexual service, but actually what they're after is intimacy. So they're like, oh, we don't need to have sex. I just want the girlfriend experience or I just want some company or some eye contact or some touch and they want to save space and they think the only safe space where they can actually get that those intimacy needs met, you know, is in that sexual context, um, which is really fucking sad because there's so many other ways of feeling, you know, and expressing and exploring intimacy and receiving that um, beautiful kind of reciprocal energetic exchange that is, you know, being intimate with people and it doesn't have to be, it can be platonic, it doesn't have to be sexual. Um, so, yeah, I really, I feel, I feel you on that and I think like then there's this other, I know this is something that you talk about, there's this other um tricky thing that that men in particular really struggle to find a balance with which is like their really primal sexual kind of wild urges with more like intentional you know expression of intimacy that's that's very kind of conscious and and um it's it's like yeah it's a tricky thing to to balance and to find a, a place where you still get to like, you know, be in that like primal, wild, animalistic energy of like sexual urges and whatever. But yeah, I guess in a way that's not disconnecting you from the other person or from, um, I guess, creating a space where you're able to be vulnerable as well. Like, what do you think? That was really poorly phrased. But do you kind of know what I mean? Like, how do you yeah. find a place where you can explore both? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, that's a that's a good direction. Uh, we don't have education on that, right? We are all right. Otherwise, you would not have doing probably even this podcast. Uh, <laughs> I mean, your mm-hmm. your own podcast, right? So we don't know. And uh, everything we know, it's through, well, that's a kind of cliche to say, but it's like this. Everything we know is through like very distorted information and uh, third, fourth hand information and education, which is not really real about around the sphere of sexuality, right? So we agree with that. So men, as a man, uh, I grew up, in a culture where like, you know, all I have to do, it's like to be attractive to women, go chase the women, have find the woman that has like, can, uh, yeah, agree to have a sex with me basically (laughs) and, and have sex. And, and that was coming kind of very intuitive for a bunch of movies I saw and tales from other friends and, and that's it. Uh, no, uh, nothing, not so much. And, and then maybe rely on some feedback, which were never really nowadays I discovered that were not really, uh, I didn't receive much real good feedback. So 
there we go. So that's that's the way. That's the way I touch myself because I learn to touch myself in that way. So that's the way I take pleasure. So that's the way I can have pleasure with another person by this friction in my genitals and focusing on uh, in my ejaculation. And if you are uh, uh, if you have some common sense as a man, you wait first for her uh, orgasm and then you. Finally, can have your. That's basic, the basic education <laughs> that we grew up with. The problem is that, as you know, and as you share, it's so much fast. And so, sex, it's uh, something that can be explored in many different ways, right? Especially the energy, this primordial energy you're talking about. We need spaces where people can can um, facilitate us to feel these different ways where we can move our energy, where we can play our energy. And we need these spaces where we can interact and learn how to interact with other people from that, from that energy, which doesn't have to be necessarily a sexual connection, but feeling our sexual energy feeling that our sexual energy it's not necessarily connect to our genitals feeling that our sexual energy is not necessarily something that has needs a, a sexual outcome and this is already something we are going already in a field that is very weird for many people even to listen to this and also especially for men we need to see that we need to learn that Sex is not about orgasm. Sex is not about ejaculation. And, and finally, one of my biggest points in my sexual life, my biggest shift is like to stop to chase for the ejaculation, for my own ejaculation mm-hmm. as the peak of my pleasure. So detach the, the my pleasure from the ejaculation. They get away from the obsession of ejaculation. And there are all sort of practices and all sort of uh, way to live that 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 can lead to to finally have a much larger horizon, much larger view and experience in the in the sexual sphere. Mm. Yeah. So I wanna I wanna leave I wanna drop it here, but there's so much we can expand from this. Totally. Yeah, it's a big topic. I'd love to do the segment Get Pregnant and Die. Don't have sex, because you will get pregnant and die. die. Don't have sex in the missionary position. Don't have, don't have sex standing up. Just don't do it. Promise? So, do you have a story about your sex education, maybe back in school, or maybe your parents, you know, giving you the talk? Tell me a bit about your sex ed and like where it failed you or maybe where it did a great job. Hey, babe towns. So sorry to interrupt, but I simply had to pop my head into the lounge here and mention another virtual lounge that you've got to get around. 
It's the Labia Lounge Facebook group that I've created for listeners of the potty to mingle in. And there you'll find extra bits and bobs like freebies or discounts for offerings from guests who've been interviewed on the podcast, inspiring and thought-provoking conversations, and support from a community of labial legends. I also have an account on the fab new app Sunroom, which is a platform created by women for women and non-binary folk, and where there's no shadow banning or censorship of sex-positive content, unlike with the other platforms that I'm on. So you can hit up my sunroom for extra content and real and raw life updates because I'll be sharing on there from now on all of the stuff that I can't post anywhere else. My vision for both of these is that they become really supportive, educational and hilarious resources for you to have more access to me and a safe space to ask questions that you can't ask anywhere else. So head over to the links in the show notes and I'll hopefully see you in there. And now, back to the episode. Yeah, there are, there are different things. Um, so the sec- w- w- one, of, one of the things that uh, was, is coming along with what we just said is that it's quite, uh, this is quite obvious, but uh, it's worth to mention. And <laughs> Yeah, because I, I, as all men and all people, I receive, like, well, as, as all men, I receive the education that I need to, yeah, I need to ejaculate and I need to wait for the other person orgasm and I need to have an orgasm myself. This is the education I received. And the, uh, as I already mentioned, the highest form of education in from that point of view was like really uh, be able to wait for her and then but wait for her orgasm and when she finally has her orgasm that's good and then you can have your own ejaculation but then there was a point in my life where i was with this woman and and uh she told me hey you know calm down it's not about the orgasm like she was feeling my my work, my physical <laughs> my physical work on trying to make her come. It was our first encounter. And she was like, Hey, like that it's okay. Don't don't try there is nothing you need to try. And mm. that moment, this very simple phrase, in that moment was kind of I finally heard something in the right moment and it blew it blew my mind. And I <laughs> said, what? Wait. Because I already heard that, but it didn't click anything before. But in that moment from that person. Yeah. And in my and in my path, I was hearing that it clicked and I felt what? I am are you saying that you're okay if I not try to make and I said, no, there is you don't need to make me anything. Like I want you here present. So I understood that I was out of my presence on trying to make her, let's say what was in my eyes, a favor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and also if you want to say, I mean, add more like for my ego also like uh, feeling good for my ego, because I made, I made her come like, no, nowadays it's like, no, no, that's not how it works. I'm not making anyone coming. <laughs> I may help and support her to have 
an orgasm, but like, and it's not for my ego. That's, and, and that's not even the goal. Otherwise we are, yeah, detached from each other. And then there is a lack of intimacy. Then there is no intimacy anymore because we are not connected with each other. We are connected with an idea, with a goal that we need to, totally. to chase. Yeah. As soon as it becomes goal oriented, yeah, intimacy kind of goes out the window because your focus is not not on fostering deeper connection and intimacy. It's about making this end result happen. But that's so interesting that you had like this like um, permeating. Uh, I guess I mean I don't know where you got this sex education that like you have to wait for her to come or make sure she comes first before you do but like I'm pretty sure Aussie dudes did not get that message it's like you know it's all about the ejaculation and sex isn't over until he comes and the female orgasm is kind of like you know a bonus if it happens but honestly it's like very rarely expected to even happen and there's like a lot of men um up in here that yeah don't don't prescribe to to that especially like young men so it's it's like i know it's still misguided that like orgasm is the goal and the focus like with you know even if it is the woman but it's like at least a little bit more evolved than like the boys i grew up with who like probably didn't even fucking think that a female orgasm actually existed (laughs) nor did it matter or take priority it was all about like their pleasure and them just like getting their end in and busting a nut um it's just like a whole lot of aussie slang sorry um you get so the, yeah, the, but the, you, you got some emotions there <laughs> it's um it's an imp- i feel like in my mind because i work with women and i hear a lot about how their pleasure does not take priority um in a lot of like hetero kind of relationships in my mind at least that's like an improvement that like you were trained or conditioned to like care about the woman's orgasm but then it's still just like it still sucks because it's just putting something on this pedestal it's making it a goal and then of course like even you know the men that prescribe to that and are like she comes first you know i got to make sure she has an orgasm most of the time that's not because they're actually invested in her pleasure and well-being and they want to create like this beautiful shared experience of orgasmic energy and intimacy it's because their ego is attached to like whether or not they can make her come and they think that to be a man and a good lover they have to make her come and so like their goal of making her come just puts all of this pressure on her and him and you know all these expectations on the situation and so of course that's just distracting us from like what the true purpose of lovemaking should be, which is intimacy and connection and just pleasure rather than this goal of like, all right, like she's got to have an orgasm then I'm going to ejaculate and then sex is over and mm. we've done the thing mm-hmm. and we've ticked the boxes, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I believe nowadays that to be good lover, and that goes for men and women, any gender, we need to be able to have make love or have sex you want we want to call it without having um, an orgasm but if we are able to stay on that without having an orgasm we we are really we can we can we can say that we are in the, in the way in the path to be like great lovers so if we detach from that need and that urge 
And this goes also for women. So I hear you what you say, and uh, you're right. It would be already enough. If it were not enough, but it were already already good if they, these people you're referring to, the, this kind of men they're referring to, they could at least wait if it's about their orgasm, at least have a more like empathetic mentality or like another more altruistic approach. Yes, that's, and it's no, as you said, and, and from there, there is so much to grow because it was like this also for me before. I totally, I can relate with this man, <laughs> but you're talking about at the same time, I have a question for you. Uh, do these women that you're talking about are talking to their partner in a way that they let him understand what's not really working for them? Because I had to wait many years before and many different encounters before a woman told me that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, most of the time, no, they don't have the confidence or the communication skills. They don't realize that they can just have a conversation because it's so charged. It's like anything to do with sexuality is often, especially with people that come to work with me, is often incredibly confronting and triggering. You know, there might be trauma there. There might be negative conditioning and a lot of shame. And like a really common one is like, the women have tried to bring it up and the men don't know how to receive that feedback or guidance around, you know, what the woman needs more of. And so, and that triggers all of their inferiority and their insecurities and they're like, you know, it dents their ego. It bruises their kind of view of themselves as this stud in the sack and this like, you know, amazing masculine lover. And so they, they don't handle that conversation well um and and so the woman's like oh shit i'm not bringing that up again because it can go you know one of two ways when people react badly to a woman being like hey by the way like i'd like mm. to approach this differently because i'm uh, not really enjoying this mm. they either get really fucking sad sore feelings and they can't get an erection they get really insecure or they start being like oh well you're too needy and you're demanding too much and you're broken and it works for all the other women i've been with and it must just be your pussy that's like not performing it's not me like i'm a good lover and so they get really defensive um and not always but like that is a very common thing that i hear okay because, like, i have a point here none of us have the skills I have a point mm-hmm. here because this is a discussion that I heard many times and I like to, mm-hmm. when things get said many times in the same way, I like to challenge it with, try to give yeah, a yeah. shift, play a twist advocate. to that. Okay. Go for it. Mm, yeah. No, I not want to really play devil's advocate in this case because I not want to defend Man, the category of man, that's <laughs> like okay. that's not the point. Reframe it, reframe it for so me. So, how yeah. I want to reframe it is that there are in in the way you are framing it, you are assuming that the woman you are. I think I I hearing that you are implicitly assuming that the woman is handling that communication in the best way possible. Her. Oh, no, 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 I'm right. not. That's why I'm saying the women don't have the communication skills either. Like, so exactly. So up, we, need, like, we need to, get to, <laughs> to talk about that and not necessarily just me and you, like in general, more talk. On, I mean, less blame on men. Okay, 
point out this. This is very important to keep point out what you say, and it's important. But it's important to see that be cautious on not developing a blaming culture of, oh, men can't handle that, and that's why women. And then we go again in the triangle, in the dualism of victim perpetrator, and, and the men say, no, you're, it's you. The, no, let's, let's assume that nobody's here is able to bring that subject in the best way possible. Because even there, we are lacking education on communication. And this is, I think, one of the most overlooked things when we talk about intimacy. Because we talk a lot about education of our bodies, our pleasure, and boundary, communicate boundaries. But what about communicate in general? There is a big, uh, a big void connected to intimacy. That's what I'm hearing. Because either we talk about communication in general, like not connecting to intimacy, either like a specific thing that we need to learn to connect to intimacy, which again, it's boundaries and uh, maybe desires, pleasures, fears, but how to actually handle that conversation, how to actually hold that space. Not many people are giving too much importance to that. And are you referring to tools like nonviolent communication, for example, like bringing nonviolent communication in the sex talk or the intimacy, right? Mm. Can be, can people just learning how to use these tools can have a, a revolution just the way, because how many times I witness uh, myself, but also in my family from a kid, like my mother uh, say something to my father in a way and he got triggered. And she was, yeah. and, or vice versa. Mm. And then looks like, oh, they, they have a different character. But nowadays when I hear that, it's like, no, they just don't have the tools how to proper ask even a question. Just because yeah. someone oh thinks God. that has the right to ask a question, to show it and feels in the right position, doesn't make them, um, doesn't make them the best communicator possible by default. Often it's the opposite because in the case, for example, we can mention a case uh, where a woman feels like, okay, you know, I got it. I got it. I got it. Now I need to tell him the truth. But that truth, comes, if she's not aware, comes with such an emotional charge, which but even if she, say, if she can say, yeah, but I said it in the most nice, sweet way possible, like, hey, honey. But even just your beliefs that are behind can give a different energy to the words you are communicating in that moment. It's not only the word you're using and the tone you're using. It's actually the beliefs you have around that talk. So if you're already blaming the man and you are trying to convey, um, convey a discussion that seems like you're not blaming him, but if inside you, you are blaming him, that will be perceived by the other person even if you're using the most beautiful words and compliments. And this already, totally. it's, it's a bad beginning for, a dis for any oh kind of discussion. Oh my God, like we're completely set up for failure because, you know, we all struggle and don't have like the best communication skills in general. We also struggle with like sex and shame and conditioning and lack of education. And then when you bring communication and sex together, that is just such a disaster zone for most people. Like it's already so triggering, so charged, such a delicate area. 
you know, attached to so many insecurities and, you know, when you then try to get someone to actually approach a conversation around that with all of that already there in the background and they don't even have communication or conflict resolution skills or any of that. It's like it's a total shit show and, I mean, I feel like I'm a broken record with with this on the podcast. Probably like every second episode I'm harping on about like communication is literally mm. the mm. most important thing, the key. It's what I is sexy. find myself like – yeah, I just I I literally like people come to me to work on all sorts of other stuff. We always come back to communication because when I distill it down to like the biggest thing that would actually shift the needle for whatever they're struggling with, it's generally communication based yeah. or that that's like yeah. a big kind of linchpin that will help everything else. And I've got like a workshop on that. I put in a module in my online course. Like communication is the fucking thing. And communication about sex and in sex oh my God, so important. And it's just so difficult for like almost everyone you speak to. Like it's amazing how challenging people find it, but it makes sense, right? Like, of course it is like with, with like the complete lack of education, lack of healthy modeling of that being done. Like we don't see it. We see like very, very, very unhealthy examples of this in like TV shows and movies and from our parents. Like where do we see that being done well? Like fucking nowhere. Um, And then there's all the subconscious beliefs that we all have from our conditioning like you were talking about. So like, yeah, we're up against a lot in that department. I definitely don't think like you know, one gender is worse at it than others. Like we're all, we're all struggling and have our own set sets of challenges with that. And often like the the thing that's such a shame, because I work a lot with like hetero people in heterosexual relationships is like the, the man and the woman have um, their own set of difficulties and challenges and insecurities. And they're like perfectly, matched to trigger one another in like the worst way (laughs) so like they've got like opposite kind of yeah it's just it's it's pretty that's how it goes yeah 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 that's how how, that's how attraction goes excuse the interruption my loves but i'm shamelessly seeking reviews and five star ratings for the potty because as i'm sure you've noticed by now it's pretty fab and the more people who get to hear it the more people it can help Reviews and ratings help me curry favor with the algorithmic gods and get suggested to other listeners to check out. Plus, they make me feel really good and appreciated as I continue to pour my heart and soul into creating this baby for you. And I promise I don't maz over them or anything. I mostly just tuck them away for a rainy day when I'm filled with self-doubt and existential dread about being self-employed, which is fairly frequently. (laughs) So you see, leaving a review really does make a difference and it's an easy little act of support that you can take in just a minute or two by either going to Spotify and leaving five stars for the show or writing a written review and leaving five stars over on Apple Podcasts. Choose your poison, or if you're a real overachiever, you could do both. Whoa now. If you are writing a review, though, just be sure to only use G-rated words, because despite the fact that this is a podcast about sexuality, words like sex can be censored and your review won't actually show up. Lame. Anyway, oh, oh, what was that? Oh, you're going to go do it right now while I wait. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a great idea. May as well just quickly click that five-star button before we get on with it and, you know, like 
forget about it and get on with your day. Um, um, oh, I'm hearing them roll in. I'm hearing those five stars. <laughs> oh my God, I make myself cringe. Anyway, uh, thank you much, Lee. You're a total gem and I'll let you get back to the episode now. So let's talk about the forms of intimacy because, yeah, we've been quite like uh, vague, I suppose, talking about it as like a, a concept and, and the energy, like the kind of intimacy. But I'd love to talk about like ways that we can express intimacy, you know, touch, eye contact, um, verbal, mm. so like through communicating that fosters more safety and intimacy. Like what are some really great ways if people are like, oh, I don't know how to like be more intimate with my partner or open up a space of more intimacy? Like what are some steps? What are some things I can do? Like what do you reckon your favorite ways to cultivate intimacy with a partner? Yeah, there are different tools, right? And one that came now straight away was an experience I proposed to was not like a romantic partner, but a partner I'm very intimate with and I, I mean, someone who had his history, so it was not occasional. And, and we had also sexual history and what I, we both perceive as a authentic intimacy. So just to give a little frame. And so it came to me like she was coming to visit me from another country. And I asked her, I have this idea. Let's, when we meet, because we will meet only, we, we met only, we had to meet only for like um, four or five days. From the moment I come to pick you up, we are in silence. We don't talk. We stay with each other in the car, in the house, and we set a frame like this. Like Because it was winter, it was snowy, and so we know we were inside the house for three days, the, the two of us, and that's it isolated in nature say we the morning we wake up and we do our own routines and at 10 a.m we set up a space where we meditate together for 20 30 minutes after that meditation we open up the sharing and we can talk and we wait no for each other like one share finish, the other person share, finish, and then we can answer to each other. And when we feel that the sharing is enough without going in chat, chit chat, but sharing from an emotional point of view, how I'm feeling, what's, you know, what's moving inside me without going too much in stories. When that is finished, we go back in silence and we keep leaving this shared space in silence and let our bodies communicate with each other. I think here there is a big tool for approaching teams is create space, deliberate space of silence, non-verbal spaces, because the words are talking again about communication. It's not only about verbal communication and we can, we are, we cover so much our communication with words. We forget. Even are we able to stay comfortably in silence with this person? Let's begin from really basic things. Are we able to eat in silence and looking each other in the eyes in silence, smiling to each other in silence, touch 
dare to initiate a touch, sweet, kind touch in silence and without thinking that, oh, but now I feel the urge, for example, to have a sexual contact, should I talk about, but trust that maybe it will not happen or maybe it will happen, but trust that without words, things will go in their own way and allow yourself also, yeah, to, to mistake in front of the other person. And, but again, a nonverbal space can be a super powerful tool. And if we feel that we are not comfortable with that, well, we already get the answer. It means we need to work on it. So there you have a space to keep trying to reproduce. Maybe it doesn't have to be three, four days in that way as I did, but it can be even half a day. It can be a whole day. And not to be just in your own mind space while you're in science, but sharing the space, sharing the touch, sharing the cuddle, be being present, of course, because many people think silence then just it's about not having words, but you can be in silence and not be in silence because you're having so much words in the mind going on and thinking about totally different things, not related to the moment. So, what I'm saying here is a mindful approach, right, to intimacy. Mm. Meditation is a good uh, tool to uh, to train on this by ourselves, but ultimately it's bringing that meditation with open eyes <laughs> in movement with another person. Mm. And that is, wow, can be a powerful, intimate field. Mm. Yeah, beautiful. I guess like I work with a lot of people that are, you know, in marriages, they have kids, they have busy lives. They don't necessarily have the luxury or they're, they're not, they're not in that place where they're like gonna, you know, have these big kind of silent periods and meditate together and all this beautiful stuff, like obviously amazing. But I usually like to also try to offer like very, very easy, accessible little kind of like tips or suggestions. Yeah. People that are just like, look, that's not that's not within my reach. That's not really where I'm at right now. Um, and a lot of the people I work with say things like, "There's not a lot of intimacy in the marriage, and it's been it's been squeezed out more and more because when you know he, for example, like comes up to me and like gives me a little squeeze or a kiss or something." Or if we're in bed and like he starts touching me, like I immediately feel as though, oh shit, like if I engage in this, it's, it's going to move towards sex and he's only touching me or yeah. kissing me because he wants sex. Yeah. And because, you know, there's this, you know, very commonly like sex and intimacy are, are conflated, like I was mentioning, like there's this expectation there and that puts her off because she's like, oh, I wouldn't mind a bit of affection and intimacy, but I can't be fucked having sex right now. And so I'm not even going to engage and I'm going to kind of shut that down. And so, you know, she'll shut down that bid for intimacy. Um, and then it, it becomes less and less frequent. So I'm just wondering, like, what are some really practical tips for people in this sort of situation where they can explore or just, just tap into like little moments of intimacy throughout their busy day and, you know, while they're being parents and working and whatever, um, that, that, yeah, create more safety, connection, intimacy without, yes. I guess, the expectation. Yeah. Yeah, at the, especially at the end of the day for the kind of, for the kind of, mm. which is a common person, right? Um, all the day out and then finally meet your partner at the end of the day, if, especially if they live together. Mm. 
that it's a very important thing. Like one big tip I can give to men specifically, mm-hmm. and but this on the other hand touch also women. It's like first have your own when you come back home, have your own cave time. Doesn't have to be big, that can be 30 minutes, and communicate this to your partner, giving the specific minutes you will have your cave time and stick to that. It means like if you say 30 minutes, you show up after 30 minutes and say to your partner, I need, hey, uh, dear, honey, whatever you want to call her, and I need now some time for me in order to one moment decompress and be more present with you afterward in order to be better present. So this is, it, it sounds not connected, but we come back again to the origin of intimacy from within, have your own intimate time. And that decompression moment, that cave time can be also really dumb thing, uh, zapping in television, scrolling, read a book, meditate, relaxing, take a shower, whatever you want, but it's just you with yourself to just turn off the mind, go in the zero mind that many men really are craving. When you come back from there, go back to your partner and hold the space for her to ask her questions about her day and active listening without comments but maybe with more questions and how that made you feel how was your day how I was other and really listen instead of uh-huh uh-huh yeah yeah uh-huh and thinking about oh what I wonder what my soccer team did uh, scored last night no 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 active listening and show that you are listening by even making more questions like and how that about emotions and how that made you feel and how what happened afterward and so help her to liberate through talk her emotions now that may sound a cliche of the man and the cave and the woman that needs to talk but for the most part of the couples uh, it works mm-hmm. and and while you hold that space you may want to touch her in a non-sexual way just you know giving maybe gently caressing her leg or a little pressure in her, in her feet, like give her touch, touch, like non-sexual touch, like your present hand, nice pressure touching while asking the question. Oh, it can be so nice for her and so nice for you because you will feel that she will be open, open, open and more. And from there, then you can also just give like more, Focus also when, when, when she's, uh, she's done with her sharing, like touching, keep touching her in a non-sexual way, no, around the body, not in the genitals, like the shoulders, the neck, which someone can think cuddling, but doesn't have to be even a cuddling, even kind of a, not neither a professional massage, but touch, communicate Mm. through touch. And just these few things already are setting the space for oh, her feeling that, okay, he's not asking for sex. It's just, pro- it's like, it's not taking through his touch. It's giving presence. It's yeah. giving comfort and he's giving his presence. And the woman can feel, the partner can feel open, open more. And eventually this, whatever can lead <laughs> if there is the feeling to, to intimacy 
sexual intimacy or not, but already she, there can be so much satisfaction from both of the partners there. Mm. And this is a strong foundation for intimacy, mm. especially if done on a daily basis. Totally, totally. Yeah, I love that. Like touch, so important. I think just like, you know, you're saying active listening, I think just presence, like someone just giving you the gift of their total focus and presence and giving you eye contact and really like their whole body actively showing that they're listening and they're present with you. And then if you add some touch into that as well and some like thoughtful questions that show you care, like, fuck me, that's that's the recipe, you know? Um, so I'm wondering like, because you work predominantly with men um, and this can be a challenging area for men to kind of I guess, feel safe and comfortable to, to, you know, express or receive intimacy, um, especially if it's non-sexual intimacy. What can a partner of a man do to create a more conducive environment for the man to feel inspired, to be more consciously intimate? What kind of partner? Again, I didn't get very well your question. So, like, if, if you're a partner of a man, what can you do as the partner of the man to create a, an environment where that man feels more inspired to be intimate and be really conscious about that? Are there like things that create a, a, a sort of like encouraging space? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I think already to, to have a talk, like to encourage him, to have some um, like already to disengage from the judgment against him is a big thing, no? Because some uh, women can feel like, oh, but I'm not judging. But yeah, but whatever. But really, be honest. You can find any speck of judgment you have about his behavior and how he should be. Any any for any will to try to correct him. Re- already refrain from that and see that this is you telling yourself that maybe you need to correct something because it's the other way around always. Like if you, like Byron Katie says, if you think the other person needs to do the work, it means you need to do the work. And so already disengaging from that, from that perspective, it's a big favor that you, that you can do. And on a practical level, encouraging, encouraging him, yeah, to take his time and, but also to, yeah, to open a dialogue, a very, I do believe in direct, you know, communication and open a dialogue. If you feel without letting him feel that he's wrong on anything and taking responsibility for even your own uh, limits, but open just a dialogue, clear communication. There is no need to have a big tricks or hacks on how can I make him go in that direction. It's already starting wrong if you want to make him go in a direction. Just open a dialogue and just try to understand from a most heartful way how to communicate that and, and stay, say, hey, you know, I would like to talk about something and, and always refer not as because I think that I will feel better if you do this. It's like, I think that both we can grow and have both a better intimacy and both, you know, have a, a 
more pleasure, not referring to the shortcoming of one, because that's never like that. Even when it looks so obvious, it's never like that. So we need to consider always that we are in two, even when it's the most the most uh, uh, wrong attitude from the other person, remember that you called that attitude in your life somehow. Get out of victim mentality and and neither also self-blame and not even preaching to blame yourself, but just be like, okay, we are in two. If he's doing like this, there's probably something in me that is calling for that. And if I'm not aware of it, I will keep calling that in my life with him or with someone else. So I think this is, um, so sorry if you expect a, like a hack, a tip, practical, but I think this is a big, big thing that already can shift so much, just shift that mind in that way. It can help the other person so much. Totally. Thank you for that. So I'd love to do the segment TMI. Do you have a TMI story to share with us that might be usually considered a bit too much information for public conversation? Oh, yeah. (laughs) This, uh, there are a couple, but uh, that can also. So nowadays people say trigger warning, right? So that can be uh, yep, totally. triggering. That's a, here is a trigger warning for men that are listening to me. And yeah, I, 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 I'm thinking which one I pick, but okay. I go for the, the mm-hmm. um, yeah. Okay. So there was a moment uh, when I was uh, with, a pre, with, with a partner in the past where I was starting to exploring um, sexuality in a more conscious way. And so uh, it came to me that, um, yeah, they were off inviting me to this play party. And for the people who don't know what a play party is, it's a setting where a group of people uh, can be some few people to, I don't know, whatever can be up to few tens of people, but there are non-necessary limits, decide to together explore sexuality in the most open and consensual and safe way possible. And to do that, uh, there are all sort of, even you know, exercise warming up and there is a lot of focus on boundaries and uh, safe sex and in be able to, so to say no, yes. And to be able to whatever, express your own desires. So I went in one of these settings with my partner and we were both open to together to explore uh, other people eventually, eventually. And I knew she, she had the desire because she told me to see us in interaction with a friend of her, which was a man, which I knew. And I liked him as a person, a really beautiful person, beautiful soul, but was a man. And very feminine man in my eyes, but still a man. And she would, she expressed a desire to, to see the three of us in interaction together. I mean, I was like, uh, uh, I don't think, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Let's see. Mm. I didn't want to say no because I, I wanted also, you know, I was in this moment. Okay. I want to be as often as possible. 
And there was a part where me wanted also to try to impress her. So when inside of me, I felt like, no, this will not happen. But then there was a moment where finally, somehow, <laughs> we were in the middle of this room with people around, and we were, I was making out with my partner, and, and we were in, in lingerie, and she was in a beautiful, um, yeah, uh, underwear. And, and he came under invitation from her, and I was okay with that. And we start to like touch each other nicely. He started to make out with her after my consent. And, and then she came down on me. While me and him, we were like uh, touching like each other's skin, not the genitals, just to be uh, more explicit. <laughs> she came down on me and I was having pleasure from her. And then he observing her, he asked me, Manu, do you mind if I join your partner on giving you pleasure? There, it's like one of these moments in the movies when there is this cut, this edit, like everything froze. And the, <laughs> and I hear like the word froze and I hear myself talking like, okay, man, here there is a fork. You either <laughs> say, yeah, there is a fork in your life. You either say no and your life keeps as smoothly as before. You don't put in question anything about <laughs> your own sexuality or things and and you say no, and you are in a setting where you say no, everything is okay, and you will receive the no, so it's okay. On the other hand, you can say yes and try something with that will provide you another experience <laughs> with the best person possible, because you like this person, you love this person, and you know it's not about attraction, and you will see what's what's coming up to you, and you know yeah. you, you will work with that. Just let well, him suck your dick. Come on. <laughs> I look at him. I say, dear, you are like you're the best person who could do that because, like, because I love you. So yeah, please go on. And he went down, <laughs> and, <laughs> and it was fun. It was fun. And it, I, I had a moment of embarrassment that went away immediately, feeling how turned on my partner was. And, and that turned me on, mm. seeing her mm. turn on. And in that moment, she came up and she whispered in my eyes for the first time, I love you. And it was such a big moment. Wow. So, and after we laughed about it, it was fun. And, and, and that's it. Nothing, nothing more happened. Nothing more with this person. But, but he's a friend. And so, yeah, we shared about it. It was fun. And, and at the end, I had a, yeah, I had a beautiful feeling because I felt it didn't challenge my uh, homophobic beliefs because that were already elaborated before. So I didn't feel it challenged my masculinity. Actually, for some reason that may seem may sound weird to people, 
it actually reinforces mm. my masculine identity. Not by saying, oh, okay, I don't like this. No, no, because I even enjoyed it. <laughs> but just the fact to allow myself to open with my partner to such a very, for me in that moment, extreme thing, it and feel then no judgment for nobody. Not my partner, nobody. And my partner for me was like, wow, so sexy, such a beautiful, powerful woman. And if she can be turned on by that, wow. So I, I f- still feel a man, <laughs> you know, and I yeah, like- I didn't feel insecure at all. Right. Yeah. Amazing. Good on you. I love that. That's, um, that reminds me of an episode I did with an ex-partner of mine a while back. The episode's called I'm Straight and I Sucked a Dick because he, Matt, <laughs> um, I'm still really good friends with him, he is pretty pretty bloody straight. Like, I, I mean, you might argue, like, look, if you're fucking sucking dick, then there's got to be some queerness there. But, like, I would say he's, like, very straight. He's just always been kind of like, you know what? I mean, I'm curious. I feel like I'd be good at sucking a dick because I've got one, like may as well give it a go. And he's just so comfortable within himself and his kind of like sexuality that he's very open-minded. And so he, um, he, yeah, he found someone to explore that with and he came on the podcast and talked all about it and like how that process was for him. And it's a really kind of similar feeling, I think, that you're describing of like it's almost reinforcing your masculinity and your sexuality and like your comfort with everything because you know that you can enjoy an experience like that without it, you know, shaking your, um, yeah, your kind of like, I guess, how, how you feel in your sexuality um, and it triggering some kind of latent homophobia, you know. So I think it's it must be so liberating um, and feel very empowering and that's obviously what your partner found incredibly sexy was that you were open and it didn't, it didn't you know, need to bring up any like, oh, like, no homo though, like I'm not gay though, like any of that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, highly recommend people go listen to I'm Straight and I Sucked a Dick. It's a great episode. Hey, me again. If you'd like to support the potty and you've already given it five stars on whatever platform you're listening on, I want to mention that you can buy some really dope merch from the website and get yourself a labia lounge tote, tea, togs. Yep, you heard that right. I even have labia lounge bathers or a cute fanny pack if that'd blow your hair back. So uh, if fashion isn't your passion, though, you can donate to my Buy Me A Coffee donation page, which is actually called Buy Me A Soy Chai Latte, because I'll be the first to admit, I'm a bit of a Melbourne cafe tosser like that. And yes, that is my coffee order. (laughs) You can do a once-off donation or an ongoing membership and sponsor me for as little as three fat ones a month. And I also have a Sunroom profile over on the Sunroom app, as I've mentioned, And I also offer one-on-one coaching and online courses that'll help you level up your sex life and relationship with yourself and others in a really big way. So every bit helps because it ain't cheap to put out a sweet podcast uh, into the world every week out of my own pocket. So I will be undyingly grateful if you support me and my biz financially in any of these ways. And if you like, I'll even give you a mental BJ with my mind from the lounge itself. Saucy. And um, I'll pop the links in the show notes. Thank you. Later. 
I'm just looking at the time. I've gone way over. I've got to rush off because I have to get ready for a client. But um, you've got some courses that you're giving listeners 25% off. I'm going to put the links to those in the show notes and in the Labia Lounge Facebook group. Is there anything you want to leave us with or plug before we wrap up this episode? Yeah, uh, thank you, uh, Freya. I think it's it's great to discuss with you. Many things are coming, and if I will, I want to leave these episodes while just saying the the most important we can do for ourselves, and that goes for any domain of life, and it touched particularly also intimacy, and sexuality, is in work in a in a heartful presence. Mm-hmm. Work in a heartful presence. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. Amazing. All right, my love. Well, thank you so much. Chat with you soon. Bye, Freya. And that's it, darling hearts. Thank you for stopping by the Labia Lounge. Your bum groove in the couch will be right where you left it, just waiting for you to sink back in for some more double L action next time. And in the meantime, if you'd be a dear and subscribe, share this episode or leave a review on iTunes, then you can pat yourself on the snatch because that, my dear, is a downright act of sex-positive feminist activism. And you'd be supporting my vision to educate, empower, demystify, and destigmatize with this here podcast. Also, I'm always open to feedback, topic ideas that you'd love to hear covered, or guest suggestions. So feel free to get in touch via my website at freyagraph.com or say hey over on Insta. My handle is Freya underscore graph underscore YMT and I seriously hope you're following me on there because damn, we have fun. We have fun. Anyway, later labial legends. I'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.